Welcome in to the Husker 24-7 Hootscast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christopherson. Here on a Tuesday morning, Nebraska plays tonight against Ohio State in a critically important game as the Huskers it have is. to continue to hold serve uh, at home while uh, working through their issues on the road. Uh, Brian, are you uh, how, how you feeling tonight? Well, let's let's reverse this a little bit. Let's let's preview what tonight is and then we'll go back through the week that was. OK. How, how are you feeling tonight about Nebraska's chances? We don't know the status of Jawan Gary, which is certainly better than what it felt like it was going to be up until Friday morning, uh, when I think we got a little bit of a shot in the arm for things. It, I I thought his season was done. I thought his career was over, quite frankly, on uh, on Wednesday night, and I think I wasn't alone in that regard. But how how are you feeling about things as Nebraska welcomes in an Ohio State team that's sort of like the rest of the Big Ten Conference? can play up, can play down. It just depends on the night. Uh, yeah, they're very much like Nebraska. Like if you look at the metrics, um, almost the same record, very similar net rankings, Ken Palm rankings, all that stuff. So the both teams are viewing the game in a similar fashion. Uh, the guy who sticks out to me from Ohio State is Thornton um, above all else, just because you know how sometimes you'll watch a game in person and that player is pretty good and really like sways you immediately like i was at the big 10 tournament last uh march and uh ohio state beat wisconsin in the game just before nebraska took the floor and i was like up close watching thornton and i was like man he's just sort of like a solid dude like he's literally solid he's just like put together and looks in control on the floor and so Nebraska's going to have to rattle his cage and those guards a bit. Um, Sammy Hoiberg's going to have to be a pest. He's a guy this game is meant for. He did a really nice job, as we'll get into, against Boo Booey um, on Saturday, um, holding him down. But, yeah, this is this is a game with a lot on the line because we can work this out a little bit more. But you go to Maryland Saturday, you host Wisconsin after that, you're at Illinois after that. It's just – it's a tough part of the schedule where you can't let up at all because if you get underwater, it's really difficult to resurface. Um, at, at the end of the schedule, um, February 10th and on, I love how it looks for Nebraska. But right. They, they just got to get there. They got to keep battling and like stay 500, stay 500 or above. And like, if you're right, then, then I think they could really pounce down the stretch. I really do. Yeah. It, it is so hard because, you know, you have those moments like that Rutgers game, like that Minnesota game, where you just you think, okay, this is the Nebraska team that kind of falls apart when it matters. This is a team that's not able to finish the game, and they turn around and they have uh, performances like they did on Saturday. It's it's so hard because it just feels like it's one step forward, one step back. But right now, if that's how it it works for the first half of this schedule. That's not so bad. I mean, this conference is so deep that there are no off nights. Like you don't, there are no gimmies here. Even, you know, we talk about how well Nebraska plays at home. They can't really afford an off night at home at the moment because the team coming in is probably going to play well. Um, even, you know, when they, they blew out Purdue and they blew out Indiana. I mean, it's not like, it's not like those teams played poorly that night. Nebraska just shot incredibly well. So they're going to have to, to continue playing well here tonight at home. I Brian, I I'm somewhat fascinated by what Fred Hoiberg uh thinks with this team given how difficult it has been for them to find baskets 
in the final 10 minutes of the last two games. I mean, they didn't, I think they had a combined two field goals in the last 20 minutes of the second half on Wednesday and on Saturday. Um, Might've been three, but really sort of puzzling that they can go for that long of a stretch and not be able to find a basket when they can also shoot the ball pretty well. It's just sort of a weird deal that has popped up at this point uh, right now in January. You have any thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, hopefully it's an outlier of like this weird two game stretch where it happened because before Rutgers, what I would have said that I appreciate about this team that is unusual from Husker basketball of the past is they've really been good about avoiding that drought right. that we always yeah. made. We used to, you know, we mock it. it it's like, I'm oh, trying to get it sponsored on the, on yeah. the, uh, the stations, you know, like it's, it's so common. You just feel like it needs to be the Dorothy Lynch, Nebraska scoring drought, <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah. There used to be that seven or eight minute drought you could count on. And that wasn't a case with this team. And then that Rutgers uh, contest happened where I, it was like nine and a half minutes or something yeah. like that, where they went without a field goal. And then um, six minutes against uh, Northwestern. What was strange about Northwestern where you got to try to process it with your brain is they had that. And yet they shot a season best 55% from the field turnovers for the game. Yeah. So there was this mismatch of weird stuff. It was like, re- it was either really good or really bad with no in between. Um, and they just got to level it out a bit. Like I think tonight against Ohio state, this is really a simplistic way of looking at it, but if you can avoid having a stretch where you go even like three to three and a half minutes or four minutes, whatever, without a bucket and you don't have that piece of the game and you're at least putting up something at all points of the 40 minutes, I really feel good about Nebraska's chances. Cause I, I still like what they do on offense. They have a lot of confidence um opponents are stressed by what nebraska does on offense that's fair to say too like if you listen to chris collins speak after the game he's like they put you in a lot of difficult situations with their screening and how they move and like that's what happened on the last bucket for casey is um guys got confused because they're like i'm supposed to go this way and two guys kind of go toward the post and instead casey just springs free for about the first time all game um still a tough shot guy got his hand right there um, but yeah, it, that's the thing to me tonight, Schaefer, they got to avoid that. And if they do, I would pick Nebraska to win the game. Yeah. I, I think they will win as well. Uh, a lot of it comes down to, they shoot the ball better at home. They feed off of that crowd. The crowd is going to be good tonight. I, it'll be a six o'clock start. Um, I anticipate it's going to be loud throughout. I just think, uh, I mean, I can only speak to to what it was like over in in uh, my section, but I mean, it's just people are like raucous. They're ready to go. They want to watch this team um, really kind of kick it forward, and they they like this team. I mean, I I uh, had a a courtesy van driver today strike up a conversation about Nebraska basketball, and it was just saying, you know, it's it's like they're I like them. They're like fun to watch. They're a yep. fun style. They're a fun team. You know, and then he he waxed poetically about watching Sam Hoiberg and and uh, just like how he works so hard and all of these different things that you expect from just general Nebraska fans anyways. But, yeah, I just think that there's a lot of people that have kind of like given their heart a little bit to this team in a way that probably hasn't happened with a lot of Nebraska basketball teams. And they're built so different than the ones that we've seen have success. I mean, they pass the ball really well. They've talked about it on the last couple of Big Ten broadcasts, but 
or BTN broadcast, you know, they don't have anyone that's just normally averages a bunch of assists, but collectively as a team, they're doing a pretty good job of, you know, these five guys have three assists. That guy has two. Another guy has one and they find their way to it and they do a nice job moving the ball around. The, the one thing that I continue to wait for, I, and I think it's gotta be Bryce Williams. They need a guy who can just sort of be, okay, we need a basket. I'm going to go get us this basket. And I think it can be Bryce and I think he can get there, but it hasn't quite happened yet to that degree. I mean, I know, <coughs> excuse me. I know Casey has a ton of confidence, but it's hard for him to create in the same way that Bryce Williams can do that. They just need someone that can take that over. They need that James Palmer to ramp that away. They don't need it all game. They just need it in those critical moments. And, and someone's going to have to step up down the stretch for them uh, to, to do that. And I don't know who it is, but I think Bryce Williams is your best bet. I think Fred thinks that too. If you go back to the Rutgers game. Well, I think, uh, yeah. Yep. I mean, he was the guy with the ball and it, it sounds like what happened on the last play, not the last last play regulation. There were two last plays, which kind of both were clunkers. Uh, but the second to last one where the ball got kicked out of bounds with like three or four seconds left, some guys were supposed to sort of clear out um, or they didn't time it right. Um, I think case they might've been a part of that. And uh, so Bryce drew extra attention where it wasn't supposed to be. And then it looks really bad on all ends. So, but he was the guy with the balls, the point of that. And um, he can get a shot in those situations. I mean, he's six seven and just has the ability. He, he's he got a handle, mid-range jumper, too. Yep, he can handle it well. So he, he can pull up from three. He can get to the 12 to 15-foot mark if he wants to. Or he can try to – he can get all the way to the rim. So he's got that three-level capacity there, which always matters. So I think you're right. Um, but then um, – with this team, it, it it's always got to, you know, you're going to have to have someone just meet that moment uh, like Casey did, or, or I think there's going to be a game where CJ is going to have to hit that shot or, you know, so it is very much like we talk about the assist, how they get spread around. I think even in this conversation, like who, who can hit those, the big shot or who's going to, to get this team into the bracket. Um, it's probably going to have to be three or four guys over the course of the stretch run who hit that like Casey hit it Saturday. Yeah, let's dive into that Northwestern game a little bit um, right now. You mentioned right at the onset with, with Sam Hoiberg about what he did in terms of defense in that game. Nebraska, you know, it wasn't the, the prettiest defensive effort. And for a while there, it felt like Northwestern was going to be yet another team shooting 60% from three. Uh, but they were able to kind of clamp down a little bit in the second half. The shots that were falling for Northwestern were spinning out. Uh, what, what did you see in that game? How did Nebraska build that sort of 11-point lead that then trickled away, but then they were able to, you know, it never got tied again, I, I think. I think they, yeah. they held that one-point lead there. Uh, but what did you see Nebraska doing that allowed them to, to kind of close that out on the defensive end, even though they weren't able to quite do it the way they were offensively? Um, well, first off, a lot of credit to Josiah Alec because – Yeah, he was outstanding. The last three games um, – He's looked way more in control. He sort of found his niche of how he gets his points and he sealed, he was sealing well and just getting layups dunks at the rim. He did it against on that road game at Iowa too, actually, where he was the guy kind of uh, keeping him going for a bit. But if, if he doesn't have that tone setting first half that he had, I don't know that Nebraska's in position to, to pull it off late. Um, he ends up with a team high and, uh, it's a best for him 15 points 
on a day where Jawan Gary's out. So he was huge. And then it was just that I'm trying to remember exactly what happened, who got the points or how it came together. It felt very team oriented. The first four to five minutes of the second half to me were sort of what settled the score. Like Nebraska was up 39, 35, and then they came out and they just, you know, they've had games where that has been a bad spell. And then they flipped it though on occasion. And this was one of those days where, uh, they had the energy right off the bat in the second half. Uh, the crowd was into it. Um, guys were hitting open shots. Nebraska ended up seven to 13 from three point range. So it's not like they took a, a billion shots from behind the arc, but when they did, they were good looks. And uh, I just thought their offense ran very smoothly at the start of the second half. And they also out rebounded Northwestern by 14. Um, you know, this is a few days after that you give up 25 on offensive boards to Rutgers and everybody's uh, sticking your face in the mud about it. Um, so it was a nice response to that. So uh, that, that I think that rebounding and just the offensive flow for like the first 10 minutes of the second half were enough to get Nebraska over the hump. They did have to then just hang on for dear life a little bit and get that one big shot. Yeah. You, do you want to know who it was that kind of spurred things a little bit in the, yeah. The Cause I, I can't remember at all. Two big Jamarcus Lawrence three pointers where they swung That's the right. ball around. Yep. I mean, he, he knocked down like you and I have talked about him. It's yep. been a weird year. I still really, I really like Jamarcus. I think he's a good player. He's being asked to do things that are not necessarily second nature for him. And so his focus is maybe a little bit diverted from scoring, but when he is on, I mean, he's, he can get to the rim. He can shoot, he can hit mid range. He can make free throws for you. Uh, and so you need him in those kind of moments when he has the opportunity to, to come through and, couple big threes early and then they got baskets from a variety of guys i mean mast had one lawrence or not lawrence uh tomanaga had one alec had free throws uh they did a nice job shooting free throws when it mattered um you know it was a the total team effort for them to get that win eli rice eli, eli rice was yeah. huge um the game was getting away from nebraska a bit eli comes in and two nice offensive moves uh to draw fouls and he hits all four free throws. And uh, Hoiberg made a point to uh, uh, pinpoint that in the post game. And I think it was big. Like, uh, that's another one of those. That's that's this team, like, in a nutshell, though. It's like every guy's got to have that, okay, this is your four to five minutes and maximize it, please. And Eli did for what his part was in that game. Um, and enough guys did that on Saturday to get through it against what's a tough Northwestern team. The, the, yeah. the job, the job they did on Bowie, um, defensively is, is, a. I mean, that's why they won the game. Frankly, I mean, he, he scored nine points, you know, he was half of his season average. He was, uh, two of 15 from the field and, uh, Hoiberg was a big part of it, but they switched off well on him. And I know they gave up some threes and this and that, but, at the end of the day, Northwestern shot 38% from the field in that game. And their top player, who uh, Fred Hoiberg regards as one of the top five point guards in the country, that's his opinion, um, they they shut him down in that game. Now, they're going to see this team in a few weeks, so you can't crow too much about it because uh, he might have an answer for them. Uh, but on this night, they got the better of them. What do you, what do you think of the fact that uh, Nebraska has ended – multiple long losing streaks to uh opponents this year i know you were at the game but the btn kept flashing the graphic 
This is the first win Nebraska had in the last seven against Indiana, uh, Michigan State, and now uh, Northwestern. I think there's different numbers for all of them. I think Northwestern was seven, Indiana was seven. Michigan State might have been the last 10 games. Nebraska's getting wins over teams they've largely have not been able to uh, to beat the last few times out. So um, the BTN was uh, they were definitely flashing that stat up there like multiple times throughout the game. I mean, that's what if it's going to be a special year and you're going to be in a bracket, those are the sort of things you have to do. I, I you know, when Tim Miles had that team. The thing I remember is they would occasionally go into another gym and they'd win at a place where you're like, no, that can't happen. But then it did like, you know, they won at Indiana like late in the year and stuff like that. And you, you just uh, there's a sort of teams where they've they've had an edge on Nebraska historically, but it doesn't matter to that particular group of guys at all. And um, that's the good thing about this team. There's so, they have so many veterans that have been around ball, you know, so much and some of them are even new to the big 10 that Nebraska's history isn't their history, but um, yet they're proud to represent the Huskers. And I think there's a lot of guys who sense um, they sense what's at stake too. Like I really believe the guys even who are new get the idea of like how big they could be if they can keep this thing going and get to the, the dance and if you could do something there you know like what that would mean historically like that i've always thought like that would be one of the great draws actually as a recruiting poll to some competitor is like you want to like they're not going to build a statue of you maybe but you're going to always be remembered if you the are team on the, that did it. Yeah. the team that breaks through and um i don't know if that's going to happen or not or if it'll fall off a ledge but these guys at least are in position and i think they they're taking it seriously and they believe they can win that's what chris collins said after the game he said you he was talking about both northwestern and nebraska being two teams who historically have been in the bottom four of the league and he said i think it's just different where both these rosters have won enough of these games now that it's like they're not expecting anything differently yeah, well, and they also have guys that they brought in in Rink Mast and Bryce Williams. Like, they haven't played in the NCAA tournament. That hasn't been part of their story yet. They played, you know, at, at these programs where I think I think Mast was in the NIT and I think Bryce was in the CBI last year. I mean, so they've they played in some postseason basketball, but, you know, if you're any kind of competitor yeah. and you know anything about college basketball, you want to be playing on the first two days in March. Like, that's that's the dream of every kid that ever plays college basketball. I would have to assume uh, to put yourself in that situation. So, you know, for, for those guys that are coming in, it's like Nebraska's got its history, but for them, they get the double, the double threat of like, you get to do it for yourself for the first time ever. And you get to be part of a roster that, that potentially could get there. And here's the other thing. Like you look at the conference, you look at the standings, if Nebraska had taken care of business against Minnesota records, it would look a lot different. They could be talking about a potential Big Ten title, but that beautiful double buy is out there. Nebraska could finish fourth in this conference, and it's not that hard of a roadmap to get there. You just have to take care of your home games, find a couple wins on the road, but there's a lot of teams in that murky middle right now. Yeah. And if they start to separate themselves, you could be, you know, we the joke could continue. It's either Wednesday or Fridays for Nebraska to start their, their Big Ten tournament. And uh, they, they have a real chance to do it. I mean, the schedule sets up where I think they have one of the easiest remaining draws, uh, but they got to go win the games and they have to close the games. That's the other thing. They, outside of like even 
maybe even the Creighton game, um, they've led, you know, uh, certainly they led against uh, Minnesota. They led against Rutgers. They, I think, briefly led against Iowa in the second half. Like, it's not like they've just been completely thrown out of the gym from start to finish. They've been in some of these contests and they've let them get away. Like, they can play with all of these teams, and I think they know it, and I think that confidence helps them, you know, night in and night out. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, two, <laughs> two of those games, they had double-digit lead. Minnesota and Rutgers, those are double-digit yeah. lead. Rutgers, I mean, that this happened within our last podcast window. Um, you know, that was a 11, 12-point lead with eight minutes left. And um, I got to be honest, after that game, it was another one of those where – you know, sometimes you overreact in the moment and it's a long season and all that, but there was a feeling like, okay, this is, it's teetering a bit. Like you didn't know what Gary's situation was. And I do think this can allow us to mention the Joan Gary deal. Um, I think it was a huge thing for this team on like Thursday morning after such a deflating loss or whenever they figured out the news in their group text that, Hey, he's not done for the season. It's one or two games probably. Um, Let's go. And uh, I, it sounded, you know, the way Sam Hoiberg explained that, like that was a real pick me up for this squad at, at a pretty tough, bleak moment. And so if this thing does turn, if they can win tonight and they get it back on the, keep it on the right track. Um, I think that like day 24 hours after Rutgers will be a key sequence in this season. Like you, you, everybody's sort of down on you, um, you know, and where it's going to go. And they think one of your best players is out for the year. It turns out he's not. And then you come back and win Saturday. And so it, it's so hard though, Schaefer, like Saturday um, Northwestern's not the top team in the league by any means, but they're a good team. And, Ohio, and Ohio state's very similar to me, like just a good team. And when you're watching these games, it's such a grind to pull it off. Like you got it. It's just a bat, a 40 minute battle and you got to be willing to then go do it three or four nights later. And so it takes a tough team mentally to just battle through it and, and, you know, find enough of those W's along the way. I will say that is one thing that if, if you were looking for, okay, why can Nebraska do this beyond they have the talent to compete in the league? It does seem that they have figured out the mentality that Hoiberg has wanted. They don't carry these games over. You know, no loss has affected them during this stretch for more than a game. Um, you know, no, I I don't feel like the, the Creighton loss affected them at Minnesota. I think they just couldn't match the energy of the Gophers in the second half. Um, you know, they've, they've done a nice job of flushing stuff and moving on and playing the next game. And so I, I think their mentality – and sort of the veteran nature of the guys that they have over there is is why I don't have as much concern that it, if it, you know, if they do have another loss, if they stub their toe, I don't think they're going to need a tourniquet, I guess is what I'm saying. They're, mm-hmm. They've done a nice job of being able to, when you get nicked, you know, you, you put the Band-Aid on, you get up and you keep going. And um, that's that's not easy. I mean, we've, we've certainly seen other Nebraska teams, uh, you know, when you have that kind of critical loss or you let that game get away, it can beat you for the next one. And then the next one, I just don't think we're going to see that with this team. I think they have a resiliency that's pretty admirable, uh, but they also have a kind of a veteran nature to them. I mean, they're, they're, they're largely a group of older guys. I mean, they're not, they're not young uh, for the most part, other than pretty much Eli Rice and Jamarcus Lawrence, I guess. I mean, I don't know who else you would, uh, Hoiberg. 
mm-hmm. for the most part, these guys are all veteran players. I mean, Mast has played a while. Williams has played a while. Tominaga has played a while. They haven't had this level of success necessarily. Alex has played a while. But they've all been around basketball in the game long enough to know that you you have to be able to move on. And they've done, a, I think, pretty good job of doing that. I We're not that far removed from where that game or that loss to, to Rutgers on Wednesday could have sent this season careening into an entirely different direction. I mean, I looked at that 2018-2019 season. That's sort of how I felt, like when Isaac Copeland got hurt against Ohio State, mm. and you just kind of knew that Nebraska just wasn't going to be able to pick themselves back up again after that. Um, that was my my fear for this team. Uh, but thankfully, Jawan Gary's injury nowhere near the level of of damage that, that Isaac Copeland sustained in that Ohio State loss. Yep. Hopefully he can play tonight. We'll see. Uh, they're going to test it out in the shoot around, um, see how he can move around. He did. He was just half court um, on Monday, half court work. Uh, but I'll tell you what, Bryce Williams surprised me a couple weeks ago when he played. And yeah, yeah. did he um, ever? He had a game against Purdue. Yeah. And so, I mean, maybe Gary's going to be uh, the, on the fast track like that too. Um, but after this, though, I mean, this is a this is a scary stretch. So this game would be this game would be huge to have in your pocket. It just really would because then you you take on that stretch of. Uh, Mar- I know Maryland's not great, but you're going to Maryland, and then with still got to win on the road, yeah. Yeah, and then that Illinois, and obviously they've got Shannon back and that whole thing. But um, I mean that that. That, that's a t- this is a tough sequence in the schedule, but it can look a lot uh, more appealing if uh, you're celebrating tonight. No doubt about it. Uh, let's let's dive into one more thing before we we get to the random Husker Hooper of the week. What's going on with Rink Mast? It uh, it has not looked great these last two games. To the fact that he. There was a point during the Rutgers game where I felt they would have been better with him off the court than they were with him on it, which is hard to imagine saying, given the value of your big man being able to shoot threes. We saw what he could do as a decoy against Northwestern, pulling their big away, allowing Alec to work in against another guy. But he has really struggled back-to-back weeks. Do you think the knee is an issue uh, in any of this? Do you think it's just a the grind of the big 10 and the fact that they don't have a blaze Kata or another big that they can sort of throw in there to spell minutes. I mean, where, yeah. where does the, uh, the BC guesswork come in here based on what, you know, because that does not look like the same guy that helped shut down Edie in that win against Purdue. I'm not trying to give him an excuse, but I do wonder about the knee a little bit. Um, and uh, Hoiberg was asked about it after the game and he said, he's, he's fine, but it's just going to continually be a deal where he doesn't get as many reps leading into any games as you normally would. They're going to have to basically half time, you know, you get half, half the action uh, leading into uh, games. And he said, perhaps that has affected him on a few things here and there um, against Rutgers. I, I didn't know what to make of it. He just was off. And I, I wondered if you chalk some of it up to uh, Omarui, you know, for Clifford from, uh, the Scarlet Knights, he's just a, like one of the better players when he's on in the league. And um, he kind of just owned that game. I felt like it, you know, it was some of the stuff he did. Um, it so certainly I don't, allowed him to own that game. Yeah. I mean, he bought, he had the one where he bodied up mass and just dunked on him like kind of late. And I know mass got an earful from the coaches when he came to the sideline. It, it just was off and it didn't look quite on again on Saturday. I didn't think yeah. either. Um, it wasn't, 
um, as rough, but hopefully tonight is a bounce back. Nebraska needs it. I still think he's maybe the most valuable player of all, like, cause everything yeah. goes through him. And so you'd love to see him just kind of flash back to like a double double or something. And, um, you know, have 14, 15 points, all that. And the shot of this season, it's too bad right now in my head is the one he had in the corner as rough a night as he had against Rutgers. Um, Nebraska's up one with about 20 seconds left. They actually drop great play and mass has a shot from the left corner. And if he buries that you're up four, you probably win it. No one's talking about it and it didn't go down. And that kind of summed up the night and it's too bad. Cause that, that would have been a, a huge shot at, for this team. Yeah. That was tough for me to even understand given how bad he, he hadn't made a shot since like the 16 minute mark of the first half. And that I, I get it. Wide open look, high percentage shot. He can make it. I did not understand that in the moment. I don't care how open he was. I don't know that I want a guy who's ice cold shooting that shot, especially when I'd rather have Bryce Williams trying to get contact and get to the free throw line, even though, you know, you're always at the mercy of what the Big Ten officiating is going to call, and particularly in, you know, Jersey Mike's arena. You don't get the calls in Jersey at Jersey Mike's, that's for sure. Um, uh, not compared to the big red dog Clifford. I mean, good Lord. He yeah. didn't need any positioning on anybody to get a single rebound that night. You could jump over everyone he ever wanted. You could throw any elbow you ever needed to. <laughs> he somehow had two fouls in the first eight minutes and no more fouls the rest of the game. It was an incredible performance by him and the Zebras. Just not to work. not to turn it into an officiating rant, but yeah, and it's, Nebraska lost that game on their own. They didn't no, need the officials. No, I was going to ask you an officiating question. I wasn't uh, chastising you. No, um, I'm just I'm saying that for the people that I know that ultimately will. Um, Casey, uh, Hoiberg had a comment after the game. I, I kind of led him to it. I asked a question about Casey and his ability to, cause I feel like in that game Saturday, Casey was getting held a lot, like or, uh, away from the ball. And I said, the question was just about how, um, Tominaga's mentality is to allow him to kind of work through that without getting too frustrated that he can't you know, still come through in a moment like that where he works through it and he still hits that shot. And Hoiberg had that kind of a line, a pointed line about how he deserves some calls, you know, like uh, he's earned it, you know, and I know exactly what he's saying. Cause there's players in this league who get that in any league there is. And um, I do think um, that's going to be a key like sidebar that we're not going to want to talk about though, is like how much they want to blow whistles off the I, ball. I have, I have been talking about it since November. I mean, when it was evident that Nebraska was getting to the free throw line a ton. And I said, the key in big 10 play is going to be how they get of, officiated. I mean, yeah. Casey gets hit, held, you know what? And he, my, my wife is very quick to point this out too. Casey also does a lot of things to allow him to get calls. Like he, the way he works his body into a player can make it look like he's been, he, he is very good at what he does. He's very effective at it, but he is also very often bodied up. You have guys just grabbing and holding his Jersey in the middle of the court and there's no call on it. And it blows my mind. And the other thing is he's incredibly visible. It's not like this is, you know, some random guy on your team. This is one of the biggest players in your conference. It's mm. one of the, the more, uh, socially aware like i mean people know of Casey tomonaga 
he's probably the most notable Nebraska player uh, beyond Tran Predaway, beyond James Palmer and the rest of the conference, just because of how demonstrative he is, the shots that he's made, the way I've seen other media members of different teams react when Nebraska's playing. People love this guy. Like it's, yeah. it's incredible to me. It's so hard for him to get to the free throw line when everyone knows who he is. And it's just wild that Big Ten officials are like, all right, yeah, that looks normal. But if Rink Mast is standing straight up and someone jumps into him, it's a foul. If Casey's running and they're grabbing his jersey, not that big of a deal. I, I just don't I, – I hate talking about officiating because it's so inconsistent and there's not a lot you can do. It's a hard job. I wouldn't want it. I, I don't think anybody really truly wants it. It's difficult. But, man, the inconsistency night in and night out in this conference. And then you see the same three officials 15 times a year – and you get wildly different results from them. You have some of these guys that just completely will take over a game. And it's like you can't go two possessions without seeing the same person call a foul or whatever it is. It just it's tiresome. It is incredibly tiresome. I don't know if it's better in any other conference in America, but I know it sucks in the Big Ten, regardless of sport. I think it's my assignment. <laughs> in our media pool i know it is if there's a really really bad call you're the I'm, guy i'm supposed to be the guy who like yeah. go, goes and like hey, what happened on this play you know with 22 seconds left blah blah hasn't happened i think in like 15 years or something that that's been it's been to that point where it's needed to be asked but because of that i try to i sometimes will show myself out or not speak much on the officiating during the game because i like well you never know what's going to happen then you got to go down there and you want to yeah. be uh, unbiased about it but Nobody um, wants me in the media pool reporter position <laughs> ever. You ever. Could just start pointing your fingers yeah. in their face about certain calls. But I I did think he was, now that the game's over, I'll say it, I thought he was getting held throughout. Um, and then it was funny to me, uh, with like two or three minutes left, he gets fouled at half court. And that one was like the least of some of the contact he's had, uh, where he kind of got bailed out. He was a little out of control on it. And uh, worked out, but I do give Casey credit in that game because he was uh, they're being very physical with them. They're being allowed to Northwestern and he had seven points with like four minutes to go. And he finds his way to 14 bait for the final stat line off a put back rebound. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, he draws the foul and then he hits that three. Uh, which when it left his hand, everybody in the ring, you just like, that's good. You know, it was like, oh, they, they done messed up on that one. Like it was like just too much space there. And it was, uh, that was, a, that was a, a nice moment for, uh, that would have been a good, that would have been a good like newspaper above the fold headline. They done messed up. And then the photo <laughs> is just like, you can see the ball leaving his hand there. Well, That'd have been pretty good. I, I have like to that. think everybody, Chris Collins, everybody on their bench had it. Like immediately when you see that happen, you're like, oh, geez, like who's screwed yeah. up there? Well, it's the shot that you least want, right? Like yeah. of the of all the outcomes that are available, K say taking any three in that shot is what you least want to happen. And so you someone tweet it. someone okay. tweeted at me it was a bad sh they were like, Oh, even the they were complaining about Nebraska's offense. They're like, it was a bad sh even though the shot case they made was a bad shot. I was thinking, no, no, that was not a bad shot. <laughs> when it when when it opened up, I was thinking like that's going down. Yeah, I part of it to me is when you are struggling to score in the way that Nebraska is, at some point there are no bad shots of Case shooting it. So mm -hmm. Uh, his ability to score from pretty much anywhere is incredible. Um, I do want – I had another thought that that percolated, but now it has – it's disappeared. If it comes back, 
we can we can get to it. Do we want to do we want to dive into the uh, the random Husker Hooper here? Yeah, we can do it. All right, um, let's do it. This isn't going to be in your wheelhouse, but I think it's uh, I think you can pull it out, and I'm going to okay. do it because of on Saturday, of course. Um, Couple of special things happened Saturday besides Nebraska winning um, Danny knees uh, conference tournament team uh, that won it uh, was honored. Um, but also uh, Larry Florence uh, came back and I mentioned this to you in a text. Yeah. Larry, we wish him the best. He's been battling um, cancer for a while. And um, I think they did a lot to like, um, get him here and Larry got here and was able to like hang out with Hoiberg on the Friday before the game and watch practice and be around I get a lot of guys who love him. So uh, that was pretty cool. So uh, we wish Larry all the best. Um, it was cool when he was here. Um, I'm going to pick someone though, that was on the team that won the conference tournament. So um, and you're right now, like, okay, that's going to be hard for me because it wasn't your era as much. Is that but okay. he's one? But right. I'm going to say to me, aside from Piakowski, eh, he wouldn't be the most notable. Uh, Strickland's probably up there too. Aside from Piakowski, nope, it's not him. Okay. Um, he is, um, I remember him for a lot of things, but one of the most memorable was he had a, I'm saying this more for people who are of that era. He had a block shot at the rim against Kansas when Kansas was like a top five team in the Devaney center. That to me is one of the most memorable, like a guy was going in on a breakaway and he like swatted it away at the rim in like a key moment late in uh, one of those Husker wins over Kansas. So I'm, People might think of who it is. You might not, but he's the type of player who could go swat a guy at the rim like he had that size, and he was kind of that type of player. I would call him a junkyard dog. I have a I have a name, um, but I don't I, – I wouldn't have thought of him as a shot blocker, and I don't have, like, a great mental image of him playing. Uh, can I ask you a question? Can yes. I do that? Did he redshirt? Oh, let's see if he redshirted. I don't think he did redshirt. Okay. He uh, he started his career in 1990, so he was a reserve right away on the team that went 26 and eight and was a three seed. So this guy was around through all those years. Yeah. Um, and his last year was uh 93, 94, the team that won the um one of the most I think. I want to bring him up because I don't think this team is or that era of Husker basketball uh, would have been what it was without him. I could give another clue that would give it away. Um, I don't know that it's going to give it away. Well, I, I mean, only have one name in my brain, and I don't he, think it's who he's, I. He's still well. He's he's well known, like in the local high school basketball scene now, as a coach. He's been around. I mean, there's Bruce Chubbick. Yes, that's who it is. Bruce Chubbick. Okay. All right. From Bruce Chubbick from Atkinson, Nebraska. Um, For some reason, when this started, I was convinced it was Tony Farmer. So I just used that guest right away. I love Tony then, Farmer. Um, and then I was like, well, maybe he's talking about Bo Reed. And that's why I asked about the, the red shirt. And then 
But there's only I have a limited amount of names that I could just pull, and Bruce Chubbuck would have been. Yeah, I know. He, he's I, been such a successful coach at at Omaha South that when you said that, I mean, it was a uh, that was that was pretty much where I was going to go there. So yeah, he's a uh, his uh, his dad was, um, yeah, he's at he's at Central now, I think. Um, Bruce Chubbuck junior his dad his dad was at south and he was assistant with them and obviously they got really good but mm-hmm. chubbick was uh chubbick was a guy when you I, I just wanted to bring up someone from that championship team this week um when you you talk about doing the dirty things or not and i mean that in a good way the little things um he was that dude for that squad like he he was just like uh you, you got to have those guys in Jawan gary to me is kind of that guy for this team, you know, like he's going to do the little things and um, hopefully will down the stretch, but Chubbick uh, was, was a, had a great Husker career. And uh, this was, is a shout out to uh, old college friend, Matthew Hansen. Um, We used to talk about opening a sports bar um, at kind of jokingly, but we thought it would really take off and we were going to call it Chubbick's if we could get his, his approval. We, we never, uh, got any capital toward that uh, project not even five dollars worth so it didn't really get off the floor but that was what the name of the place was going to be a friend of mine is big on uh on the idea of there being a nebraska basketball sports bar called the rebound yeah uh and i, I think i think chubbicks would work pretty well for that too that's a that just sounds like a good bar name to be honest maybe chubbicks, a chubbicks. yeah it would be down at chubbicks yeah exactly. people, people start calling it chubbs It'll yeah be at chubbs yeah, we'll be at Chubb. Where are you going, Chubb? We'll be at Chubb's. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. perfect. That I it think works. we had, I think we talked this through uh, back then, but it it still it still plays. I think it could still work, but time has passed, so maybe it's not as successful. Yeah, but uh, who knows? Well, you, we never know who's listening. If there's any developers that are you know putting up the the apartment <laughs> buildings around downtown Lincoln and they need a uh, a floor space that maybe will stay for longer than six months before it, it loses occupancy. Chubbuck's could be a great idea. Try that one. Or um, it could be they're waiting for this team this year to uh, get to the tournament, go to the Sweet 16, and then it's, you know you, you open up something after his eligibility expires. You don't even have to wait anymore. You could, it just rinks, you know? You call it rinks. Yeah. But, oh, you uh, go rinks? Because I'm pretty sure it'd be Nagas. Meet me yeah. at Nagas. We're <laughs> knocking him down at Nagas. Yeah. Not I, there, be good. There's good. There's good potential for for this team. I I think Rink would work great, but I I feel like it'd be named after Naga. What if you had competing ones, Rinks and Nagas? Like we each had one, and we went head to head. Nebraska just becomes a basketball town by having two competing basketball. <laughs> <laughs> that feels like such a stupid sitcom idea. A non basketball program has two competing basketball sports bars. <laughs> <laughs> and then a larger one, like right between them. There's one building that was vacant, but it comes up and it's bigger and it's called Ryola's like, like the, yeah. right in the middle of it. This, anyway. this feels like the stealing some of like good burger or something like that. Like it's, you know, you're, you're competing against the corporate higher ups, the two little ones and have to, to go against the, you know, the one in the middle there. We, we do have some good ideas on this show. Our best one is still uh, our support of dogs for yeah. all halftime events, but uh, th- th- that's another one we're just throwing out to the wind. Yeah, I need to just type that proposal up, shoot it off to Trev and be like, here you go. And send it over to the Humane Society and be like, here you go. You guys just meet in the middle. I'll see my way out. 
Yeah. I think it'll it'll go over well. Put like an put an official letterhead on it or something, like maybe a watermark, make it look like it's really like you're really something with a picture of a little dog, you know. Yeah, we we at at, uh, Husker twenty four seven probably should invest in watermarks to uh, to help maintain integrity. Apparently, on the socials, so yeah, that that's not a bad idea, Brad. A lot of stuff gets stolen these days. Hopefully, not a lot of steals in tonight's game, though, um, uh, by uh, Ohio State. Uh, So, yeah, we we do welcome people to steal whatever clips they want from this show and post them anywhere. That's that's okay. We we do welcome that. So. Uh, for Brian Christopherson, I'm Mike Shaver. We will be back next week. We'll see how Nebraska finishes things out. Uh, Ohio State tonight. Maryland, Brian, on Saturday. Is that right? <clears throat> That's right. It's an early like one. 11 a.m. one, I think. Yeah. You yeah. Just start your morning right away with a little Nebraska <laughs> basketball. Set so. your alarm clock for 1030 so you're up. You're not up by 1030 most days? <clears throat> I, I am. I actually, I, I don't want to like put that out there like I'm that lazy. I uh, I, I, I I know that I gave the the false finish here, but now I have to ask: like, what when you were in college, how late could you sleep? <clears throat> oh, back then, occasionally you could sleep till like eleven thirty. Man, I remember, I remember uh, when when Nebraska played at Oklahoma in football in the number one versus two game where they lost thirty one fourteen. That was an eleven a.m. kick. I remember waking up. I wasn't covering that team at ten fifty eight. Like I was in the door. I think I was in the dorm. And you just rolled up and you like turned the TV on. I was like, all right, here we go. Incredible. Yeah, I uh, I was blessed to have a morning paper out for like a decade. So sleeping in was always relatively difficult for me. Like, I think even even like 930 or 10, mm-hmm. even in college was just a challenge. Unless I had come in very late the night before. Like if you're rolling in at five in the morning, then I'm going to I'm going to need those hours of sleep. But yeah, I just I never 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 been able to to sleep that late so i don't i don't know that i was ever in danger of missing a football game because of it well i wasn't in danger i, I knew when i was getting up but uh your, your body clock was set to nebraska at 10 yeah, it's, it's like kramer on seinfeld my body clock knows when football's coming but um yeah now nowadays it's like 7 30 i can't yeah. i can't sleep beyond 7 30 usually yeah. that's that's the wheelhouse for sure unfortunately all right well now that we've figured out our sleep cycles and everybody got to listen to that that was fun. now we're officially leaving we appreciate everyone stopping by be sure to check out husker 24 7 bc great coverage on the team plenty of coverage of everything else going on with nebraska sports at the moment check out all of that be sure to listen to the husker 24 7 podcast uh we'll have another football one coming this week as well diving into the junior day and everything else that's going on with nebraska football so we will catch you later